Hello, my name is Mike Carver, and I'm the host of Stop Winging It, which is brought to you by Wingman Associates. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Stop Winging It, brought to you by Wingman Associates. The purpose of our podcast is to connect people from all walks of life, personally and professionally, with actual experiences from individuals who have been through similar trials or challenges on their own journey. We believe that no one is meant to do business or life alone, and our hope is that in the next few minutes, you pick up at least one nugget that helps you see your own path with more clarity. Episode number three of Stop Winging It with Mike Carver. And today with us is a good friend, a longtime friend of, of our family. His name is Tim Mitrovich. He's currently the president and CEO of 10 Capital. And 10 Capital is a wealth management firm based over in Spokane, Washington. Tim, is, uh, Tim has been through a whole lot of things in his career um, before he started uh, 10 Capital, which was, I think, a little over 10 years ago. Is that right, Tim? Just coming up on 10 years, yeah. Coming up on 10, it is. That's right. That's right. So um, I think it'd be great if maybe you'd kind of walk the audience through, here's what I thought I was going to do with my life, and uh, maybe a couple of the bumps and things along the way that got you to a point where you said, no, I, I think what I really want to do is open up a, a firm and, and, and take all the risk in the world on my shoulders. So uh, I think that would be interesting for the crowd, and I think that they would appreciate uh, hearing a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, get, I mean, uh sake of brevity, I'll, I'll just kind of hit maybe some of the key takeaways of life. Gr- grew up in Clarkson, Washington. Uh, Dad was a principal there. A uh, great place to grow up. Could still kind of be a uh, a kid there, a little more old-fashioned than perhaps today's world. Um, being decent in math and science, I guess I was I was told pretty on I was going to be an engineer or a doctor or something like that. And, and actually went into school at Carroll uh, my first two years thinking that that's what I was going to do. I was a great pre-med school. Um, I guess lesson number one was just just because you can do something doesn't that mean that's what you're meant to do. I pretty <laughs> found out I didn't have a passion for it and I've made plenty of mistakes. But I think one thing I've, I've done fairly well is when I realized that the heart wasn't in it. Um, no matter how tough it was, uh, I've been willing to walk away. And that included kind of the next step after graduating from Whitworth um, and going through the Rhodes process, went to UW Law and and practiced for a little while. And, and, and there again, I mean, for a small town kid of, of relatively humble means to suddenly have a 125K salary, it felt like 125 million and uh, <laughs> my heart wasn't in it. I, yeah. I had that Sunday night dread that I've talked to so many of my you know, clients about um, right. having of just not looking forward to Monday morning. And, and so, um, you know, had the courage, stupidity, <laughs> all of the above <laughs> to walk away and, and come back to what I had done some in college, which was, um, you know, doing investments. And, and I guess, you know, in all seriousness, one of the things that dawned on me, my 10 is named after my grandfather's Jersey number. And, and he used to tell me all the time, you know, I never worked a day in my life. And yeah, what does that mean? And you're like, well, I just, I loved what I did. I loved who I did it for. Didn't mean there weren't tough days. And, you know, right. as a teenager, you just say, that's something old guys say, <laughs> you know, and yeah. then I distinctly remember, um, you know, being there and working, uh, alongside of my uh, colleagues who were saying, Hey, could you help you, you understand this? Or, or some of the clients who had sold their businesses, you understand this investment realm. Can you help me? And, and thinking, man, this is the best part of my day. 
and yeah. you know, yeah. little grandpa popping up and be like, this is what I'm talking about. So I came back, worked at a firm uh, for about seven years and uh, then realized I just, I had a different way to do it. And, and I guess, you know, you and I have talked about this and maybe we'll get into it more. Kind of another lesson was, you know, I, I'll talk to people all the time who will ask about starting a business or being entrepreneurial and, and, and I caution them anytime I hear them start to talk about things uh, and, and using the word I a lot, like I don't like to work for anyone else or I need this. And it, it tends to be very ego based and, and not mm. that I've been above that at various points, but what really pushed me into then where I'm at today was what I wanted to do for other people, namely clients could not be done in the environment that I was in. Um, they just had a different way they wanted to do things. And it was at that point when that why got big enough and it was an external why that then we came right. over here. And it's not that there wasn't trepidation because there was a lot of risk. Um, uh, but as you know, countless people have said before, you just don't see it, the, you know, or, or you see or you look past it because what you're wanting to head to is just that strong in its pull. Um, and so, yeah, we launched the firm 10 years ago in that time, uh, gone from about 80 million to over 800 and, and, and quickly approaching a billion under management and got, got to do it in a way that we really think um, is more of what people are looking for in terms of not just doing the numbers and the math, but again, doing it with a lot of heart and relationship and helping tie those things together. You know, that's, um, and that's what drew us, uh, full disclosure been a client of Tim's as well for eight or nine of those 10 years, I feel like, something like that. And what drew us to Tim early on um, is what draws most people to make a purchase, to make a decision that's pretty large in nature. And that is uh, there's a trust and a friendship that gets built up. And when you start to trust somebody, um, even with your own money, which is, which is a big deal to trust somebody with your own money, um, it's it separates you. And I feel like we had that going in, but talk maybe a little bit about, seems to be a cornerstone of what you guys are about. I mean, it, you build trust quickly, not just you individually, but your team, what you stand for, the process that you go through, even though I know it's changed over time, but maybe you walked in with a few things that were really paramount, right? Some things that were really important to you. Yeah. Well, and, and you learn. So I, again, I got started in the industry uh, as an intern, admittedly, but in 95. So I, I got to be there and, and, and lose a lot of money in the 01 crash just for myself, thankfully. Uh, then learned a few lessons that helped me when I was finally managing other people's money by 08. Um, but you go through those crashes. And so I guess the, the big thing that if you if you point to what what drove this other piece to of, of 10 capital, which is how, how we go about building relationships and how we formally embedded that within our process. It was quick, pretty quickly realizing that the industry has done a really great job of kind of talking down to people, um, giving them a lot of platitudes yeah. or cliches, but not necessarily filling in that gap. And so, but that math, you can have all the correct math. And again, I'm a math guy, right? Um, 
and, and, and try to explain the things really logically. But as we share with clients, and this is a physiological truth, the same part of your brain that gets triggered by mortal danger gets triggered by losing money. And think about trying to negotiate with somebody being chased by a bear or a bear market. Um, they're probably just going to run you over and it's not going to be a logical yeah. discussion. And so, you know, if our goal is sincerely not just getting clients or making money, but helping get people to a better place, we had to address not just the math, but the emotion. And right. so we started to, and again, not just with platitudes, not just with cliches, not just with statements of, hey, this is who we want to be. And so literally now we talk about purpose, plan, portfolio in that order, really mm -hmm. sitting down, not only helping us understand, but in a lot of cases, help the clients understand and prioritize, and, you know, what is it that's most important to you? What are we trying to do? And if we hearken back to really what started 10 Capital, it's for the same reason that I'm sure is just how we're, I'm not a psychologist, but how we're hardwired as person, which is if I can get you to fully define, grasp what that goal dream is, make it tangible, that you can mm. smell it, taste it, feel it. Now, maybe I can get you your external why is strong enough to help you look past the same dangers that I had to look past when I started a company to get you where you're going to, you're going to go. But, you know, some people will talk about the secret or the answer. I, I think it's just this it's goal setting and doing it in right. such a real and vivid fashion that quitting on that becomes almost an impossibility. It's it, you've already lived it in the future and now you can't wait to actually be there in the present. Um, and so that, again, is just something that we actually want to help clients go through and so that they can get to that place. Yeah. And we certainly felt that as a, as a couple. Um, and I know that that that's a big thing, even as I talk amongst family and I, I know that you have amongst your family, you know, money along with a few other cliche topics, as I was growing up, you just didn't talk about it. And so to get into a position where not only did I want to talk about it, I wanted to get smarter about it. And all of a sudden I realized this isn't my wheelhouse. I'm okay at making money. I'm okay at spending money. Um, not okay at planning for the future real well and uh, trying to figure out, am I on the same page as my wife or my spouse or my significant other um, in what we want to accomplish with our money? And uh, I, I think this whole financial life program that, that you walked through with us, that, that we set up, forced us to tackle some things. Maybe uh, maybe spend a minute or two just kind of describing what that looks like and, and why it works so well, because it, I think it works tremendously. You know, I think it's just intentionality. Um, th thank you for, for that. And uh, I, I guess before I walk through the process, I just say, I think for a lot of people, it is an intimidating subject. Um, by the same token, I, I, I'll remind some people who maybe feel like their capabilities are, are higher and maybe they are or not, but I'm like, it's irrelevant. You know, I, I'll tell people like, look, Tom Brady has a throwing coach. This is true. <laughs> Tiger Woods yeah. has a swing coach or pick any PJ golf, but those two guys are as good at what they do as any human beings that have ever lived on the planet. And they got a coach exactly. and it's not because they even necessarily and probably can't right swing a club or throw a football better than those guys, but it's about partnership, perspective, relationship, um, and having someone alongside that journey. And if those guys feel compelled to have that partner, what is standing in the way of any of us? Cause this goes for us too. I mean, all of the partners, we industry partners, we have, we tell them like, I don't care just about your product or how smart you think you are. 
I don't even know how we're going to be in relationship with one another, but to come back to that, it's just the intentionality. Um, You know, we've had a lot of people who have said, you know, this feels somewhat like couples counseling. (laughs) I think it's just (laughs) that situation where, you know, obviously spouses are going through it a lot. It's one thing in the heat of the moment to argue about something in the kitchen or to maybe even quickly daydream about it before you get interrupted or the show starts after the commercial or whatever, but to really take, 90 minutes with somebody else who, you know, and people who come in, we know to varying degrees, but isn't part of that relationship in that way, obviously. And to explain things, um, it's just, Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's a power to it. Right. And, and we don't, I think that could be, that power could be anywhere. The analogy I use, it seems to, to resonate with most people as I try to explain it is you have a good thought in your head. Right. You know, or or those magic words that you're going to tell someone, whether it's to get ask the lady on the date or to tell off the guy who ticked you yeah, off. Exactly. But it's only ever been in your head. You've never externally talked about it. And you go to tell that idea or tell someone off or tell somebody how much you care about for the first time externally with no practice. It doesn't come out as well. Right. And so I think it's that same phenomenon of, of course, our clients understand to some degree what their goals are. But they may be using the same words and having two different intentions, um, you know, between mm-hmm. the spouses, we see that all the time. Um, th- everybody has a different way they view money. And so a, a very classic one is, you know, what's at question or what sometimes creates an argument for people is, uh, and I'm speaking quickly for generalities, but do you love our family? And, and I'll role play here, Mike, you're, you're, you'll be my husband, blah, blah, blah. you know, Mike never, He's just, he never wants to take a family trip. He's just working and it drives me nuts. And he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do that. Right. And, and then we'll hear from you and you'll say, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm scared about not being able to take care of my family. Or what if something happens to me and would you guys be all right? And I want to make sure we're in this place and I can never live with myself if something happened. And so what comes out of just like, this is one simple example is, oh, everybody loves the family. But how they want to value that or show that is just a little different. For one, it might be, hey, I'm really wanting to emphasize quality time. For the other persons, the burden I'm carrying is making sure we can maintain whatever lifestyle we do have. But once they realize that that commonality, that common ground, that care for the unit is there, now all of a sudden there's just a much more healthy dialogue and conversation. And we start to find, well, did you know we could, you'll move a little bit here and you'll move a little bit here. So again, that's a, that's one where there's an antagonistic for a lot of other people. It's just about finding the right equilibrium between how much you're going to pay for your kid's school, how much you're going to help the mom who needs help. And when you get to retire and you can't have it all, you know, I'll I'll refer to it as the problem of the goods. The the danger is they're all good choices, but you can't have them all to the nth degree that can create a bad situation. And so we can't, uh, we need a, and we need a framework and that's what we help people decide. And and again, I don't want this to call like a commercial, but my encouragement to whomever would be, Create that framework so that when emotions are running high, be that market-related, life-related, wanting to you know feel compelled to help somebody, you really have already created that blueprint and are making it based on what your long-term goals and desires are, um, yeah. cor- according to what's best for you, not just good. Right, right, right. That's great stuff. And, and again, it's, it's less a commercial, you know, for one for one organization 
than for everybody that thinks that they can do it on their own um, in any, um, almost any line of work. We see it a lot here at Wingman uh, as well. Uh, people need coaches. And, and your point is really well taken. The best people have coaches. It's amazing that a, a small business owner with 12 employees uh, would think that they can do everything and not seek some guidance. Fascinates me. We see it a little bit too often, um, to be honest with you. Less people do. I mean, if you look at all, I mean, and this is a passion of mine, just optimization of, of not just my professional life, but my personal life. But as you, as you go down those paths, um, so many of the people that any of us would look up to, respect, admire their levels of success, they've got they've got coach, they're in counseling, they're doing something like they they're inviting third party perspective into their lives. And so again, whether it's someone who does what I do or what you do, you do or anything else, you know, I, I always tell my, cause clients will ask questions like, Oh, this doesn't upset you. I'm like, no, I think you should challenge the people you work with again in a very welcome way, but like, tell me about how do you do this? <laughs> do you live this right. out? Tell me right. about your process. And like, Make sure there is one um, because, you know, you've been, you've been in the professional ranks for a long time. I mean, the amount of people who are faking it and just regurgitating lines they've heard and, and have never really taken the time to, again, engage in a process like this of thoughtfully engaging of what's important and why it's important um, as opposed yeah. to just co-opting things is the difference between a consultant and I guess I'm about ready to drop my first uh, pun here and winging it, right? Like, you don't, there you go. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I certainly do appreciate that. And I, like I say, we, we take a look at those in a, in a large way, uh, whether we're coaching, most of what we do is coaching. And as we, as we focus on people, I feel like they're looking for, they're looking for something that's right in front of them. They don't quite see it. And uh, objective third party, uh, with some experience comes in and goes, well, you know, have you ever thought about this or that? And, and you'd think that we just gave them the recipe to lemonade that they'd never seen it before. It was um, So these things happen, and we want them to happen. But I think it only happens if you've developed, you know, a relationship, to your point. So you're authentic with them. They see you as exactly who you are. You're very transparent. You're very sincere. Uh, and clearly, uh, and I keep reading this in books and articles, you're very empathetic. If, if you don't have good empathy as a leader, um, you know, then you're not gonna ha- you're gonna have a hard time having people follow you. So. Well, and you you just alluded to this too, and I think it's important to pat. You know, I appreciate the kind words to myself to our team, but I, I say this, and it really is not a line. Like one of the greatest gifts we have to give our clients is our other clients. Now they they may never meet them. We certainly are not going to break confidences where that's important, but we get to work with a lot of smart, successful, thoughtful people. And mm-hmm. it's, this isn't just about any one of our 10 capital team, uh, uh, individual or collective wisdom. This is about, Hey, you know, I've kind of seen a situation like this and I saw one person go this way and one person go this way. And, and to your point, they're like, Oh yeah, I really like that option B like that. I, that feels right for me too. Like I didn't come up with it, but like I, I saw it and I right. just, someone else right and and so again are you part of the thing that you know we tell people whomever you're in relationship with is looking at by extension who their relationships are are, and you know can they bring some of that Mm -hmm. to bear to help you um because again the quality of the relationship is probably going to impact the quality of the relationship you have with them yeah so even in your own life then maybe uh, expand on that role of a coach 
you've made moves. You've made changes. You've added people. You've subtracted. You've physically moved the office. Um, you've chosen to work, you know, in, with certain types of clientele. Um, who do you go to? Do you have mentors? Do you have coaches? Do you have a board? And how do you how do you make sure that Tim is making the next best decision for his team and for his clients? Along with being the chief investment officer. So you've got that all the, on top it's of it. All, it's all of the above. So one is really embedding a process. Um, yeah, well, I guess personally, yes. I, I with regularity, have a coach. Um, life sometimes can impact uh, how that looks or feels. Um, mentors, coaches, counselors, like I, I embrace it all. I'm not afraid to, to, to try or explore any of that stuff. Uh, lots of reading, uh, around things, I'm particularly fascinated with choice making and, and discipline and, and how they're, you know, some would consider, I, I, I tend to buy into it finite resources. So being very mindful around how you do that. That's why my mm. closet looks like it's the same thing a hundred times. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, we have a client advisory board. We sat around for a really long time trying to, you know, not just do what we had hoped to do when we launched the company, but then figure out, of course, what clients needed. And then, you know, I think we all do this, whether it's what's going to make our, our spouse happy or a friend, like heal a friendship or whatever, as you sit around thinking about it and getting it in your own head and you could just go talk to them. And so we finally had the radically obvious idea of launching a client advisory board and, and just saying, Hey, what do we do? Well, what do we not do? Well, I regularly ask clients that same question. What, what's the thing we did that you valued most yeah. uh, as a family this year? What's something we could improve? And it doesn't mean that we're sometimes it's like, Hey, you weren't good at this. You need to be better at that. Sometimes it's just like, I don't understand this. Could you explain this to me? Um, sure. um, and so, yeah, just always getting feedback and again, understanding that most of the feedback you get isn't, isn't meant to be a personal offense. Cause it's easy to take that that way. Um, um, but again, looking at it as a gift to get better. And so again, again, that's not necessarily profound. People have probably heard that before, but I think knowing it and doing it are two different things. And so we, we try very hard here to have a lot of accountability, look at that as a positive, not, not a negative, um, and invite it into our lives. Yeah. It breeds a lot of transparency, which is a little rare. Also breeds, uh, or takes a lot of self-awareness, um, which is even more rare, I find. Um, this is the, far too many people are not super self-aware. How they come across, you know, their, their attitude, a lot of different things um, come to mind. And so when you run across it, it's, uh, it's inviting, it's magnetic. You want to be closer to that. People who are self-aware and transparent and share um, seem to just have an effect on others. It's a positive effect, I find, in my life. And so, I, yeah. Well, anytime you're in any place where you're holding yourself out, as I guess you or I do, but we all do it to somebody and whoever we are in a relationship, which is to try to impart some wisdom, give some advice, come alongside someone, any of those things. I just... I think it's going to be more effective to, to the point you are making to again, lead with sincerity. I'll just speak to my industry, but you know, for years and years and years, it came from this very patronizing type place of like, Oh, you're too prone to emotional outbursts, you know, Mr. Client, and, um, or, Oh, yeah. this is very complex as, as opposed. And so almost leading with 
a fear not to be melodramatic, but you know, that juxtaposition between love and fear. If you come back the other way of like, how about sincerity and relationship? How about maybe I even empower you to the point where you could do it on your own, but you so value the relationship and the path we got to doing it together that you wouldn't want to give up that, that partnership. And so again, a lot of our clients don't want to do what I do. (laughs) That's why I get to have the job I have, but they, they don't want to be in the dark either. And I can't, try to, you know, a lot of times people try to hide things, right? Because they're afraid if they share them, um, then they won't have any extra value. But again, the value, I think if you find the right people, and for me, mm-hmm. there's those people who value relationship, they value being in relationship. Um, yeah. Certainly run into clients or like, if you can't promise me X performance, show me something, this or that, or whatever. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, com- I'm confident, in what we do, but I, I don't think this is a fit, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're, uh, yeah. what you value yeah. and, and how I value, uh, communicating are just different. Those are great conversations to have, whether you're the, the boss, the employee or whatever, again, being open about those things, uh, certainly makes for better communication. So this is really great. Um, I feel like, you know, at some point you went through that, the pain of staying where I am, is greater than, than the pain of change and, and you made a move. Of course, now you can look back 10 years and go, man, am I ever glad I did that? But in the very beginning, if you encapsulated, um, was it just, um, like, you, like you mentioned early on, was it just whatever it's going to take, I'm willing to do mm-hmm. um, because I'm not gonna, I have to leave. I have to move away from this. But the overriding why was, extra right it was you needed to serve somebody you wanted to connect what you wanted to do with the means to be able to do it is that yeah yeah there's always it's always a little bit of a push pull so i mean certainly to your point there's a little bit of i just can't stay here doing this um it wouldn't be fair to myself and 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 what i want to do but um Again, I think what gives you the momentum, I guess, is maybe to try to put this a little bit different way, the momentum um, to get off to the start you need to do needs to be, again, that that pull part that, hey, what I'm, what I'm out to accomplish, because, you know, you'll sit there and you'll go through all the pros and cons and, and questions, but the reality is if you make that move, there's going to be a day one. And when there's a day one, yep. w- what's going to motivate you to get after it. And, you know, fear can be pretty fatiguing. And so, you know, certainly there's some like, Hey, I got to pay the bills. (laughs) I got to make on this lease payment that's coming up. But I think ultimately what can sustain you is, is that more positive external why of, of what you're trying to accomplish and, and who it's for. But again, I just, I, I, you know, particularly today where business owning your own business or being an entrepreneur has kind of been glamorized. Um, I see a lot of people doing it for the wrong reasons. And we've had people come in and through here, like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have my name on the door. I gotta have this. And I'm just like, that's your motivation. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. you're not doing yeah. it for the right reasons. And so here again, I, I, not the naming your company after yourself. That's what someone chooses to do is, is, you know, the wrong thing, but, um, why? And then 
anybody who's hiring somebody again, whatever field, like what, what is your why, you know, why do you do what you, you want to do and listen for the platitudes, listen for that. Again, it's that platitude versus sincerity thing. We've kind of been weaving in and out of this thing of like, we've got, I've, you know, I've got most of my, my, my team's got stories and they're full of hope and pain and, but there, there, there's a rawness to them that hopefully people see as, as what it is, which is an authentic thing that's pulled us into what we do as opposed to how, you know, it's perceived or the money we could make or, you know, any of the rest of that stuff that, that people think about conflicts of interest and, and they'll talk about fees in my industry, but probably in a lot of other. I'd also talk about like, you know, why does Mike Carver have his company? Is it to bring glory to himself or is it to help you? press him on it, ask him, you know, what, why, why, what got you into this? You ask enough probative questions, pretty soon people can't fake it anymore. They'll, they'll betray like the real reasons to you and find out who you're in relationship with. And, and um, particularly before you're going to go to a vulnerable place. So. And the person on the other end of that ought to be uh, excited for that. The right person will be, that'll be your telltale sign is how quickly they start squirming and trying to get away from it. Or how much do you almost see this look of, wow, you really want to know this? Cause I've been wanting to share it type of look on on (laughs) face, right? Yeah. Yeah. You you teed it up for me. This is great stuff. It's great stuff. And you covered just so many critical things that I think the listeners um, appreciate, not just the entrepreneurialism, but you know, what does it look like? When you, when you go through risk and change, what are the things you want to really focus on? And I, I, I truly appreciate it, Tim. It's been a, it's been really a, a meaningful conversation. And I know the listeners will get a lot out of it. I'm going to take a little different tack with you here real quick. Just at the very end, get to know you a bit. Um, I didn't write this one down in your guide, but is there a, is there a great story from Whitworth when you were, when you were throwing footballs around that uh, you want to share? Is there anything that comes to mind where – Either you clocked somebody or you got clocked or you did something fun and stupid. And if you, if you don't, you don't. It's okay. I, yeah. I guess uh, they both kind of come back to the same. Uh, uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was hardly some um, record-setting uh, player, so there's, no, there's nothing uh, to talk about that. But I, when I went after the Rhodes uh, Scholarship and I'd be a Rhodes finalist, um, the president of the university, the way that works for those who may not be familiar is your university, particularly at a smaller school like Whitworth has to say, this is our, this is our person. You get one, right? Um, if your university won't say this is the best we have to offer, like they won't, they don't let you in the door, right? Then you go to states and regionals and then eventually finals. But it was interesting to um, uh, the, the letter the president read, I got to I got it after the, the process. You obviously don't get to see it in advance of it getting sent in, but he mentioned this play where I was rolling out and, and two linebackers or linebacker and safety were running at me. And, and there was the, the, you know, the marker, but I think his point was, it wasn't even third down. It wasn't even a critical moment. And how I just ran headlong into him, you know, no sliding, no this, no that to try to get it. And, and to his point, as he said, he goes, this is who I've come to know him to be is somebody who, puts others before himself in this case, the team who's not afraid to take things quite literally in this case, head on. Um, And uh, I I can remember a receiver named Marcel picking me up off the, uh, off the ground and, 
he's uh, you know, run, run out of bounds, you fool, run out of bounds, you fool. But <laughs> I, uh, again, I guess that's, you know, just that thing of, you know, seeing what you want and, and seeing that first and foremost, not the obstacles, whatever they may be that are in your way. And um, went on, you know, in the roads process, uh, kind of a fault to story, I was going through it. And actually, um, one of the roads uh, interviewers said, Hey, um, you know, would you rather been an NFL player? Or no, they, they, they made me compare the Heisenberg uncertainty principle to playing football. And, uh, uh, you know, I said, Hey, look, um, if I had known the exact speed and location of all the DBs I went up against, I would have been a, a pro player and not, and not sitting <laughs> here with you. Uh, but I didn't, <laughs> you couldn't yeah. just like the Paul. So anyway, it was a good time. I, most of my football, uh, days, uh, helped me learn how to overcome, uh, disappointments and <laughs> setbacks <laughs> as, opposed as, to how to handle as, uh, as all, as all sports do all sports do for us right yeah yeah hey what um yeah relative to maybe uh, something slightly different if you had such a thing as a mount rushmore of dinner guests people that you would uh, love to spend some quality time with around a dinner table who might who might that include oh man i you know for me there'd be a lot of uh usual suspects uh if, if we're if we're going uh, alive or uh, dead, you yeah. know. I, I Teddy Roosevelt uh, is a huge hero of mine, um, so he would definitely be there. I don't, I don't know how you couldn't, particularly if you've been in any kind of leadership position. As cliche as it is, not want to talk to Lincoln. You know, Doris mm -hmm. book Arrivals was a phenomenal book of just how, again, he put in this case the country above his own ego, and people would hurt him. I mean. At, at, uh, it's tough for other people, but I don't, I don't like getting slighted and forgiving can be hard. And, you know, he, he did that so well, well pro, you know, um, being a quarterback guy, you know, I'd love to love to talk to a guy like Tom Brady, um, the fourth guy, and this is most random dinner table ever as things take shape here. Um, well, Winston Churchill, I'll, I'll put that, uh, on my, my top four. So a lot of politicians, um, I guess, and, and, and then Tom who maybe will be yeah. someday, Although I'll share this one with you, which I thought was it was pretty interesting. Uh, this question came up um, over a conversation. Some guys like I'd want to sit down, assuming he'd be honest with Vladimir Putin. Um, you know, imagine <laughs> the secrets and insights. Not to mention, how do you hang on to power in such a brutal type environment? And I thought I thought that one I I never would have thought about it, but um, that one was pretty good too. I would imagine he would have uh, some interesting things to say if he was willing to share. If he was willing to share, it would be an interesting evening. That's for yeah, sure. I'm not sure you'd get to leave the dinner table. <laughs> but, uh, he, he, uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's probably seen more things than or seen things I wouldn't even want to have seen. But uh, probably, so, probably we don't, yeah, probably we don't want to know. Exactly. I think that's the, that's the common thread of it's always intriguing, right? Um, any of those yeah. You know, Churchill with the Dardanelles, Tom Brady with his draft pick, you know, Lincoln's failures, um, Teddy Roosevelt's health issues. I mean, just people who had setbacks that would have everyone around them would have, if not did, uh, tell them, hey, quit, give up. It's fine. Nothing to be ashamed of. And yet they rose to, you know, incredible heights. That, that to me is just endlessly fascinating. That's well said. That's well said. Yeah.
Hey, this has been awesome. I, I, I appreciate it. What a, what a good recap that was right there. Uh, just to kind of give us a glimpse into the, uh, into the mind of Tim Mitrovich. So, um, continue to persevere, my friends. It has been a joy. Uh, we love working with you. We love working alongside you. Uh, we try to emulate a lot of things that you do already. And so, uh, we're in our infancy coming up, coming up on a year. And, uh, if in 10 years we are, uh, um, looking and smiling and enjoying things the way you are, it will have been a great run. So, uh, thanks for setting a great example out there. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. And you asked the mentor question, but the, the truth is, um, I'm blessed to know a lot of people like you and, and have, you know, had those people who've come into my world, um, really from a very young age. And of course my family first and foremost, and, um, as I'll say, like, no, knowing people like you and having the family I have, I have, I have zero excuses not to bring it every day. So I try to keep that in mind. There you go. There you go. Well, we'll continue to, uh, to stay in touch on this. I, uh, I appreciate everything you've said, everything that you do. Um, you can find Tim at 10 Capital. You can see him online. He does a weekly video series. And uh, we want to thank him for his time. So you have a great rest of your afternoon, Tim. Thank you, Mike. We're so thankful today that Tim was able to join us and that you took a few minutes out of your schedule to listen to his message. I wonder if there were any key takeaways that you might have picked up from this episode. Mine included a couple. I thought Tim mentioned a few things that were spot on. One, he knew when to walk away when something wasn't right for him. Another was, the best people in the world at whatever they do have coaches. And the last one really came down to, to me to be about sincerity, being transparent and honest with people and making sure that you're doing things for the right reasons. If something from the podcast did resonate, ask yourself, what am I willing to do about it? Is it something you're confident tracking down on your own? Or does it make sense to join forces and get some guidance or coaching? We're here to support you pursuing the best version of yourself. And that means making the next best decision. Whether you're a small business owner, CEO, salesperson, senior manager, or in any other leadership position, we want to be by your side as you drive to improve yours and your team's skills and future opportunities. That's what a true wingman does. Please reach out if you have any questions.